Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. We have some more stories for you, and joining me once again is Run For God founder, Mitchell Hollis. How's it going, Dean? Good. What about you? Well, I'm having a little bed drama. Have you? Yeah. That's Holly and I, we decided to get a new mattress. It's kind of that time where you get a new mattress and uh, I'm not going to name the brand, but it was was one of the bigger mattress companies that you hear of and I've always wanted one of these mattresses and I got it. We got it last Wednesday and the first night I knew this isn't going to work. Oh, no. It's just not for me. So we're having to get a new mattress and send the old one back. It's got that 100-night trial. So I I tell people I'm having some mattress drama right now. Yeah. Kind of weird. But, yeah. So I've not been sleeping good the past few nights. You know, I'm one of those people who can sleep. It doesn't matter. Well, see, that's Holly. I I literally, at one point in my life, I spent spent probably, probably six months of my life Sleeping on a couch, really? Yes, not See, sleeping I am in a bed. So picky about Holly. Yeah. She'll buy clothes and get clothes in and send them back. And I'm just, you know, give me whatever. I'll wear yeah. it. But when it comes to a mattress, mm, I gotta have, yeah. I gotta have a good night's sleep. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe good. maybe by this weekend we'll have the new one in there. And uh, so the 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 mattress I'm getting next, I, I learned from my mistake. So I went into the local mattress store down the road here. I'll bet I spent an hour on this new mattress Did you really? I bought it. I mean, it was kind of probably almost awkward for the sales guy because I was just laying there talking to him. And uh, But I wanted to make sure because, you know. Yeah. Well, you get a little gun shy. You spend you? a lot of time yeah. on a mattress, if yeah. you think about it. What, a third of your life? Yeah, it's true. Like that. It's so, true. Yeah. Anyway, it'll get yeah. better. It will. Yep. So uh, let's talk about this week's sponsor. This right. is a, a, the Cates family. I love them to death. Uh, first of all, if you are a business out there and um, you want to support what Run for God does and allow us to support your business, send an email to runlanehollis at gmail.com and he'll get you all the information. Uh, but this week's sponsor is uh, One Source Business Products. Um, you know, at Run for God, we like to do business locally when it's practical. Uh, and One Source Business Products is Dalton's only locally owned office supply company. If you're looking for office supplies, furniture, printing, janitorial, custom forms, or stamps, we've they've got you covered. It pri- the prices are right. That's why they compare and you save. Give them a call at 706-516-3900. Or if you don't live around here, check them out at onesourcebp.com. Again, Matt and Barry down there at One Source, just incredible people. Um, they do all of our office supplies here at Run for God. And uh, so, yeah, go check them out. Great people, great Christian folks. So thankful for all of our sponsors yeah, and what they sure. mean to us. Yeah. Well, how about a Facebook post from last week? This one's really short, uh, but it, it's a guy that everybody knows, mm-hmm. um, George Williams. And he uh, he said he's feeling thankful at War, Warwick to Ephrata, Ephrata Trail. I'm not sure if that's the way you say that or not. Um, 
Grateful that I was able to meet with the Norlanco slash Victory Run for God Club for their 200th meeting this morning and get a nice, easy run on a beautiful day that the Lord has made. Hope everyone has a great weekend. 200 meetings. I I think, isn't this Travis Hess's group? I believe it is. Yeah. 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 And so 200 meetings, they... If they're doing it once a week, then they've been doing this longer than we've been doing this podcast. Yes. That's yeah, incredible. Th- that's right. Yeah, we're on episode 112, and we've done one every single week for over two years now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Did you did you ever think it? No. No. When we started it, I thought, this is, this is interesting. We'll give and this a try. Yeah, see how you it know, goes. COVID shut us down right off the bat. And yeah, uh, yeah I was actually... Um, kind of reminiscing with one of our other sponsors just uh two days ago billy barton dr billy barton yeah. dentist um and we were talking we were kind of reminiscing because billy and i had dinner um on wednesday march i think 8th of 2020 and lane and i were leaving the next day to go to a triathlon down in in sarasota and i we were talking about he asked me he said do you think they're going to have the triathlon he said, I hear everything starting to shut down with this COVID thing. He, You know, we still yeah. didn't really know what COVID was at that time. And I said, oh, yeah, they're going to have it. This thing will pass. <laughs> Little did I know three days later, not only was Lane not racing, they did cancel the race, but the whole world shut down. Yeah. Was, we were talking about how, you know, the bad, obviously, of COVID, but also the good that came from it. Um, yeah. It, we were talking about how it really refocused people on what's important and i think looking back that's my takeaway from covid is i think a a lot of people did you know we all got shut down we couldn't go to all the things that keep us so busy we spent time with our family and i I think in a lot of ways covid was a blessing to many people yeah um so yeah it's um interesting thought we've come a long way yeah travis Hess has been doing it longer than we have now (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. you know that I'm struck by the fact that when they start again, just like us, we started that first one. We did a couple of them and you don't think about way down the road. It's kind of that way with run. You know, I've been running every day for almost 11 years now, except one. And everybody needs a day off now. now That's right. You know, I thought about I ran five and a half years (laughs) and I took it and I took a day off. I'm thinking about taking a day off after five and a half more years. Well, you just need to keep it consistent. Now. Yeah, exactly. Consistent. Yeah. We keep saying consistency is important. That's right. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, but at some point when you just get out there and you just get it done every day. Yeah. You know, I just go out and I run every day. Sure. And I just make sure I go run every day. And, you know, before long you look back and you go, whoa, it's been 10 years. Yeah. You know, and it's it's just a matter of being consistent and just getting out there and 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 sometimes we look at it as a checkoff list but the cool thing about that checkoff list and about doing it every day is being able to to one day stand there and go wow i did that yeah Um, and you know we've seen that so many times with all of our uh the 5k challenge and people who just we keep telling folks just get through this workout we'll worry about the next workout the next time you're supposed to worry about it and then before long you're to week eight doing incredible things and boom you're a runner sometimes when you look at the mountain it seems daunting yeah but if you look at the next step it's doable not too bad yeah uh, that's a good good way to put it yeah you know that's why back when we were training for the um i did the blue ridge relay several years and so we we had to train on some mountains 
Yeah. And because uh, the Blue Ridge Relay is all in the mountains. And I'll never forget, we used to meet, it was before daylight, like five o'clock in the morning down on Wallen Avenue. And we would run Mount Sinai, sometimes twice, up and yeah. back, up and back. And uh, I'll never forget, it was always way better to do it in the dark. <laughs> because during the day, it was like, oh my goodness, you know, some of those hills you can see yeah. for a long way and it looks mm-hmm. straight up. But in the dark, you don't see that. Yeah. You just see what's right in front of you. So there's, you know, there's some life lessons there. For yeah, sure. there are. And it works that way with our faith, too. You know, yeah. some, you just get you, you start open up the Bible. You, you start to read and study and and learn. And before long, you realize, oh, well, look at there. I, I just read the entire Bible. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's all little little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. You know what I've been doing recently? I've got this little tab on my open on my computer uh, where I'm learning geography just because I like to learn stuff, right? So I've got the map of Africa, and so I go through Africa, and what I have to do is the name of a country comes up, and I have to pick which which country, where it is on the Do map. they do geography in schools now? I think so. Do I'm they? not sure exactly how. I'm not okay. sure what it looks like these days. Everything I've looks ran across some young but. people that make me wonder if they're really learning in school. <laughs> I mean, we had a young lady, we won't say her name, that was on the tri-team at one time. She thought Canada was next to Florida. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then and then what was the other one? There was another one that's pretty bad that came from a young lady on your cross-country team. <laughs> and I'm yeah. wondering, I'm thinking, yeah. like, have you ever seen a map? <laughs> so... Uh, yeah. So maybe they need to come to your geography class. Yeah. You know? But uh, yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> <laughs> percent. I have had a trivia question from last year, and um, I thought this one was. You mean last week? Last week. Not I last said last year. year. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way we do things. Yeah. With, yeah. <laughs> what is the most miles ever run in a year? That's why I, I saw the word year, and yeah. I didn't know this, yeah. but I, I think I, I think this was the number I was thinking last week when you asked this question. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking a marathon a day. Yeah. Which was close. Yeah, it was close. It wa- That was the record before this guy set, set a new record. So the guy's name is Rob Young. Of He uh, lives in London, England, and he ran 10,000 miles in a year, over 27 miles a day, almost 370 marathons in a year. Um, and I just think about that, 27 miles a day. I mean, that's hours and hours of, of doing this. Um he said this is the mantra he lived by i say that with a strong mind i say that with a strong mind and a good heart then the body will follow Um, he's 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 dead on talk about one step at a time and this incrementalism we were just talking about right yeah Uh, and it started out as a bet he actually was talking to his fiance at the time and 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 he said "I'd, i'd like to do this and she was like you can't do that. <laughs> he must be one of us. Yes, yes, exactly. The best way to get us to do something is to say we can't. Do that's it. right. That's right. And so, uh, but what's interesting about this guy is he wanted to do this because he wanted to raise money uh, for children's charities. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that when he was a kid, um, he went through some horrific things in his family and saw a lot of bad stuff. And so he he wants to help. He wants to be a difference maker in his community and, and around the world. So he would get up at two thirty every morning and run a marathon before work. 
we we talk about how we can't do anything without coffee and here's a guy running a marathon before work every day um so did it say what kind of pace he was running it it did not see that in your notes no there's nothing there nothing there about pace but um in the in the middle of this whole thing he decided well instead of just getting up and running every day um i want to do something figure out another way to do this so he ran this race across america uh, race across the USA, I think it was called. And so, so in the middle of this streak, he did that race, which ran from like San Francisco to New York, or I don't remember exactly where it was, but, um, I mean, gosh, I'm sitting here doing the math in my head. I'm a math geek. Yeah. If he ran 10 minute miles, that was a hundred thousand hours. Yeah. A hundred thousand hours of running in a year. Yeah. That, that's even more impressive than the 10,000 miles. It is. Just when you put it in that context. That's a good point. Wow. He said, since I was 10, I had always wanted to raise money for charity and for children in my position. And I had always wanted to do something long distance as well. So with the bet with my partner, it all clicked into place. And um, when he was a kid, I mentioned that he had gone through some horrific things. Daily beatings. His father was, was really, really bad. Um, just terrible things being thrown downstairs in a suitcase Um, just he saw assaults on his sister and his mother and just awful awful things that his father did and um, he said he said the last beating came when he was six years old when his father tied a rope around his neck and hung him on an old-fashioned coat hanger near the front door I mean just horrible horrible stuff and here's a guy who took that. We talk about our stories and how important our stories are. And here's a guy who took that terrible, terrible experience and now is raising money to try to get kids out of those predicaments and those those situations. And I just think it's really, really cool. Um, he spent some time in the military there in, in England. Um, he loved he likes competing and did did some triathlon and um, did some cycling stuff, some pro cycling stuff uh, after he left the service. Uh, but he's he didn't like running at first, mm-hmm. and he began to love running when he started doing these these triathletes these triathlons. And um, he, he just what he did was he, he looked at. Um, the community of running like like we've talked before about our yeah. saturday morning family right yeah. he, he saw the community that running provides it wasn't the same as cycling it's it unlike any other community yes yeah. yes and he loved the community of running and that's what changed him and turned him into a runner yeah so here's a guy who never liked to run you is everybody out there listening mm-hmm. those of you who are talking about how hard it is sometimes this guy never liked to run and the next thing you know he's running ten thousand miles in a year and <laughs> you know they say that you know that Malcolm Gladwell gives the 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 ten thousand hour. hour rule. Yeah. I mean, he did that in like just less than a month. No, hundred thousand. No, that wouldn't. No, it's not. That's wrong. No, because ten. It's not a mile an hour, so it's less than ten thousand actually. Right? Yeah, it would be less than ten, 10 minutes. Okay, yeah. so it'd be a hundred thousand minutes. Yes. What minutes. does that break down to? Yeah. I knew that didn't sound right. Yeah. I was thinking, good Lord. That's there's more I don't know there's that many hours in a year. But. Ten a hundred thousand minutes. Yeah. Divided by 
60. So you can look that up while uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep going. I'll, I'll figure it, this yeah, out. This guy, his, uh, and it, it, here's what's most unbelievable i think about this is that he had to take a month off in the middle of this he somehow for some reason i can't figure out why he started to develop a leg injury imagine that i mean you would think that there would be no injuries coming from ten thousand miles in a year <laughs> anyway he had uh, some stress fractures tendon problems one of his legs had swollen to twice its normal size and he so for three weeks he stopped <laughs> So this this included a three-week time period where he didn't run at all. Uh, so it's really kind of an 11 out of 12 months of running that he did all of this. And if he said if he if he had carried on, he probably could have completed 400 marathons. So it's a little over 1,600 hours. Of hours. Running. Okay. 1,600 yeah. hours. So that's so, uh, uh, I take the 100,000 hours back. Yeah. I was thinking that is... That is insane. Yeah, that but, would be. Okay, 16. But that's still impressive. Yes. That's just. Yeah. I mean, it's five hours a day, basically. Four and a half, five hours if he was running a 10-minute pace. That's crazy. He said, after four weeks, your mind changes and adapts to the entire process. Your mind will tell you that you can do it. After that four-week period, it will become a normal thing to do. That's why there are still seven runners out in the race across the U.S. with me. This was while he was in the the race, and they asked him some questions. And, um, you know, he just said it – after a while, your mind just gets used to the idea and you just do it. And that's kind of what we tell everybody, whether you're in the 5K challenge or whatever it is, if you'll become consistent at something, then it becomes much easier. Well, it's funny you said that and this just just popped in my mind, but we see that so often with bad things, with people who, who deal mm. with bad things. You hear people, well, I've just resolved it. Uh, they've They've been called overweight and they've been called overweight for so long that they've just they've believed it yeah and they don't want to do anything about it well yeah. that can also work in the opposite way that's right you 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 run for 30 days and everybody just says you're you're a running man and, and once you start believing it the body will follow just like the uh, who said that quote was it this guy that said yeah. that quote yeah yeah, yeah. I say that with a strong mind and a good heart and the body will follow. Mm-hmm. That can work both ways. That can work against you. That's right. And take you into depression in all different kinds of places, or it can take you to the the mountain peaks. And we can be purposeful about which direction we go. Sure. Because it's a decision. Yes. It's a decision yes. which way to go. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. One of the... I'll, I'll leave it with this. One of the most interesting things I found about this, I saw a couple of pictures of this guy running, and he had on a kilt. So apparently the guy runs in a kilt, which I thought was, uh, I don't know. I, I've never seen anybody run in a kilt. <laughs> Obviously, in the United States, that probably wouldn't go over very well. It's just not. But, but well, you maybe know, there's a couple there, guys one. that cycle. I don't know if you've ever been out at the milkshake ride, but there's a couple guys. They'll put on a kilt after the ride so that, that they can change clothes. Oh, really? You know, undergarments and all that. Yeah. And, you know, not be flashing everybody. So I don't know if there was some utilitarian yeah, I don't issue know. for that, but um, I don't know. Yeah, but, but he was running in it. He wasn't. He was just, running in okay, it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So that's strange. Yeah. Different. Uh, maybe that's something that's popular in other parts of the world. I, it, maybe you should I buy know, you a I kilt. Know. I don't think I'm going to buy a kilt. A run for God I'm, kilt. I think I'm going to skip the kilt. Okay. Running. I think at this point, but uh, I mean, I'll try anything, but that you know, we've got the new seem... run for God lady skirts out. That's kind yeah. of a kilt. Yeah, it is. Well, I shouldn't have said that. 
we're, we're not supposed to be talking about that yet. Oh, okay. So we don't have that. Sh- nobody heard we, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we're in the middle of a uh, 10K training now, right? Yeah. For, for those who are on the Couch to Marathon journey. Several weeks in, people are sticking it out. I'm seeing the post. It, yeah. Now, just remember, this is kind of getting into that... 10k half marathon it kind of gets into that no man's land so that's where you know this group really comes in important you know make sure you're talking things through with everybody because when you get started in the 5k and then you get later in the marathon it's you got all the excitement but we kind of get into this i shouldn't call it a lull you know if if you're on that facebook group you're, you're getting plenty of motivation but make sure you're you're staying plugged in is is the point yeah, it's a good idea. We just talked about being consistent. It's a good idea. One of those consistent things is to get in that Facebook group yeah. and get a little daily dose of encouragement. Sure, because there's plenty of it. That's right. Yeah. Whether you're posting yourself or you're just reading other people's posts, yeah. you you can be encouraged by it. So, All right. So right here's where we usually kind of plug something that's going on in Run for God. And, and next Monday, May the 23rd, uh, from when this podcast is airing, the usa gear goes on sale this is once a year one of my favorite shirts mm-hmm. i know i say you wear it a lot mm-hmm. uh, but this is the this is when we do the run for god usa stars and stripes we'll be putting on sale before um memorial day and the sale the we'll, we'll leave the cart open for three weeks uh, so you've only got three weeks to buy your gear and you'll have it in time for the fourth of july whatever fourth of july races you're doing uh, but we only do this once a year and it's open for three weeks and then it closes and it won't open again till the next year. So keep your eyes peeled next Monday, the 23rd. Um, you'll you'll get all kind of emails and notifications about it, but make sure you get your gear and uh, let's see those pictures of you wearing it. Yeah, you, you need that for July 4th. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You get up early before the kids for your morning workout. It's a some time studying or reading your devotion and pick up the kids each afternoon whatever the moment j radio has you covered get your account at jradio.com and download the app in your app store j radio music for every moment All right, we're back. And if you're not tuning in on Thursday nights, you should tune in on Thursday nights on mm-hmm. Facebook Live. We have a, a it, we just have a good time with whatever. A lot of times, we're talking about aging, or we're talking about taking care of your feet, or we're talking about anything, anything running related. And sometimes it's uh, we, we bring that back to kind of a Bible study kind of yeah. situation. And but it's just could be anything. And um, hopefully I know that the folks that are regulars there seem to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And so tune in on Thursday nights. Um, and then one of the things I want to say, please, 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 please. You have a story. We've, we're, there's thousands of people who still haven't shared their story with us yet. Go to the Run for God page on on the internet and go to share your story and mm-hmm. please share your story yeah. we we need to you'll get to hear your story right here yeah on this podcast It'd be awesome and somebody needs to hear it and that's right as, as vanilla as you may think it is there are no vanilla god stories we need to hear it everybody listening to this needs to hear it and it's going to change somebody that's right 100 percent 
I was reading about these uh, these 10K statistics. You know, we're in the middle of the 10K portion of the Couch to Marathon, so I thought this was interesting. Um, the, these were, were studies from 2018. I guess it was 2018-19 were some of the more recent full studies they've done. Um, there are about 1.8 million global participants in the 10K uh, in 2018. The average 10K time for women worldwide is about one hour and 14 minutes. The average 10K time for men around the world is about one hour. Hmm. Uh, To place among the top 1% of 10K runners in the U.S., you would have to finish faster than 36 minutes and 37 seconds, according to Run Repeat. To place among the top 10% of 10K runners in the U.S., you would need to finish faster than 47 minutes and 17 seconds. So, do those numbers surprise you at all, as far as? Yeah, I think they surprised me the the opposite way they surprised you. I would have thought, I would have thought the ten k. Let's see. Let me do the math in my head. I would have thought the ten. Well, no, I think I think I would have thought the ten k would have been a little bit faster. Because I would yeah. think that I would think that the average marathon is probably. Four and a half hours, yeah, which is a ten minute pace, which would make you think that the ten k would be would, a minute slower or something, which would yeah. put it, you know, that would make sense. But, but you I, know, I, yeah, I don't know. Average race times in general at, have, at just about all distances sure. have gotten slower because more people realize they can do it, so there's yeah. more people participating in it, and I think that's a great thing, it's an awesome thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The more, the merrier. Sure. All right. Have you ever considered how running or walking in the Run for God program might be connected to our marriages? This story is about that. It comes from Nancy Schmidt, and the story is called Restoration. My husband and I joined Run for God in January 2022 with the hope it could help restore our marriage. It was a rocky road, but we knew if anyone could fix our marriage, God would. The Run for God program would keep God in the center of what we were doing. I started training, but my husband did not. Then I contracted COVID and was pretty sick. Needless to say, this stalled my progress. I began training again, but really wanted to quit. Thanks to Team Coolidge and their encouragement, I kept going. I had never run before in my life, and I am 61, so it was a rough go. Everything hurt, but I kept going. Unfortunately, my husband did not train with me, and I felt alone. Through all of the training, I didn't feel that God was bringing us back together. Oh, but God, he never stops working. Even when we couldn't see it or feel it, God was in the background mending things for us. Even in the weekend of the 5K, I was still feeling very alone at this challenge. But the night before, some of our group met in the park. Something changed in those moments in the park. I ran the 5K most of the way and finished the race. My husband finished his walk, too. A shift in our marriage took place that weekend. God calls us to finish the race before us. Life has great big challenges, but God is so much bigger, and He will heal and restore us. This is more than 5K, 10K, half or full marathon. God is in all of it, and He is a waymaker. Don't give up. He has something for you. That's a great story, Nancy. I, I think you said it in your notes. I don't think we've ever. I, I see vividly how how 
mm-hmm. you know, running, how the discipline of running and being committed to their, your sport or your craft. I mean, that, that, that parallels perfectly with our marriage, but I don't think we've ever talked about it. Yeah. I don't think we have. What I love about this story is kind of, the, and I think the gist of what she's trying to say here is even when it didn't seem like it was working, it was. Mm-hmm. How many things do we have like that where we, we're so discouraged because we feel like things aren't coming together? And there's something in my life right now that I, I've just been in the, you know, in my mind. My mind has got this devastating picture of, the, you know, things are fall, all falling apart. And in the background, I know things are probably going to be okay, you know? But it's, and it's usually this, it's usually small things. Yeah, it is. That throw us off. Yeah. It's, my brother and I had a conversation yesterday. We were, we were talking about in, in in kind of my my construction side of my life. We were talking about how, you know, so many, so much of the the drama from the day to day office and things like that. It's small things. We can we can come in and get these huge, big, colossal decisions made, but so many times we'll get hung up on the the little bitty yeah what somebody in the office said or what somebody in the office oh, did and yeah. it will absolutely derail us mm-hmm. but and we were talking about how we got to keep focused on the big things yeah uh, because the devil many times will try to throw us off not mm-hmm. with the big things with the yeah. little things he'll get us pull us down in those weeds and just derail us but yeah even during even during those little dramas or the little things or the this wasn't a small thing in her case, but it God's always working. Yeah. God is always working even in the background. Yeah. And sometimes those are temptations that are being thrown our way, but sometimes those are tests. Yeah. You know, the devil's the tempter. God will test. And sometimes those two things can look very similar. Yeah. Um, and we've got to, we've got to get through both of them. And we have to trust that God is working in the sure. background, you know, kind of the way she talks about this, how it all came together in the end. I remember my my youngest son Caleb, when he was, I, I, he was two or th- I don't whatever age he was, where we were teaching him how to count. Right. I could not get that kid to count to ten. Now everything else showed me that he was a very intelligent young boy, and I could not get him to learn how to count to ten. It was so frustrating, and I remember, I remember. I remember very vividly us walking upstairs and trying to count the stairs and him not being able to get to 10. And then all of a sudden he went from, he couldn't count to 10 to he could count to whatever number you wanted. He could count to a hundred like overnight. Like it was really overnight. All of that stuff in the middle, all that time that we talked about it, it was all soaking in. And then it all just came together and clicked all at one time. Sort of like this whole run for God thing did for, for this couple. Right. Yeah. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, we talk all the time about... How many times have we done this verse? In 112 yeah. episodes now, I bet we've had this verse no less than 20. Yep. Probably. I'd, I'd guess. And how every time we read it, God says something different to us. Well, last night, 
as a family, we're going through Mark right now. And just last night we read Mark 14. It was where Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. And it really hit me. What stuck out in this verse here for me today was who for the joy that was set before him. Jesus prayed twice in the garden. God, take this cup from me. He did not want to do that. Jesus was fully human and fully God at the same time. So the the fully human side was saying, God, I don't want to do this. Mm. You know, if it's your will, please, please take this from me. But ultimately we know God's plan was for, for Jesus to die on the cross. He, Jesus knew vividly. He, he was God. He's, he's omnipotent. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He knew what was going to be happening in the days to follow. Think about the joy that he's talking about. What kind of joy drives you to be beaten, mocked, and nailed to a cross? It must be some kind of joy. Yeah. And so Jesus walked this earth to be an example for us. And But so many times when things get hard, not only do we pray for God to take it from us, but if God doesn't answer our prayer, many times we'll take things in our own hands. Yeah. Jesus could have said, nope, I'm not doing it. Yep. But he was obedient. And that's, I don't know, that's just what stuck out to me here was who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, from a worldly standpoint, there's not much joy there, but he was looking no. beyond the cross. Yeah, and it strikes me that what, what hit me was the, the words author and finisher of our faith. Um, mm-hmm. Jesus knows there's a story written. Our lives have a story. Sure. And in that story, when we allow Jesus to permeate that story, um, that's his joy was in seeing us complete that story the way he would have us complete that story. And that it's not finished. You know, in some translations it says the author and perfecter right. of our faith. We've talked about right. this. Yep. Not the not the author of our perfect faith. That's right. The author and perfecter. I mean, it, it's an ongoing process. Yeah. And it's just with Jesus. It wasn't finished until Jesus said it is finished. And it's the same way with us. We're not done until we're until God's done with us. Yeah. And while we're still on this earth, we're not done. And we we need to keep our eyes fixed on that joy that's on the other side of what whatever we're dealing with. Yeah. But so many times, just like the story we just read, we get caught up on what's right in front of us. It's it's kind of where the old adage you can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. It's we get so caught up on what's the little bitty dramas that we just talked about or the what somebody said or or what we're going through that we lose sight that Jesus did the same exact thing and he wasn't looking at the cross. Yeah. He was he was dreading the cross. That's obvious from from his prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. But he wasn't focused there. He was focused beyond the cross. Wow. Another scripture passage that we've heard a lot, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I think we, we often, we, we look over the meaning of the second half of this verse. We look at, 
you know, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And then we, we kind of just, we finish the verse, right? Um, because it's, it, it, think about the idea of mounting up with wings and how unusual and, and abnormal that thought is. Uh, but it's really, really, this is a really extraordinary verse that we look at, I think, sometimes and just like it's just a comforting verse. But it's really more extraordinary than that. Um, think about the idea of mounting up with wings and then think about running and not being weary. Who thinks about running and not being weary? You know, <laughs> not me. We think about running and we think <laughs> gonna, how much. How I'm going to be dead after yeah, this. Exactly. <laughs> um, so the idea of being able to run without without getting tired yeah. um, is crazy. And then, of course, the idea of walking and not fainting is also uh, God. Uh, God will get us to the end without letting us abandon whatever it is we're doing right god has this vision for us and this picture for us and where we're going with our lives and and the things that we need to do to please god and he's going to get us there no matter what yeah. no matter how hard it is yeah. and um the one thing that struck me about the last verse and this verse is you know sometimes our kids can present things that make it really hard to go through jesus did what he did for his kids, yeah, for his children, just like we would, yeah. And the walk and not faint to me is that's that's the power to carry those things through to the end, no matter what yeah. obstacle gets in our way. Yeah. I think you know, for for me, I, I go back to I've talked about this on here before, but uh, I focus on but those who wait on the Lord, you know. And I've used the example on here before that it's it's kind of like we're we're to be expecting God. And I used it last time I talked about it, I used it in the context of of him coming back. That we should look at it just like when we're having people over for dinner and you know we're we're going to check the door to see if they've pulled in yet or and and that's while that's right, I kinda wanna add something to that, you know, because that's that's when he's coming again. But we're to wait on him every day. Hmm. And, you know, I think of it like um you know, if you if you live in a house with two teenagers and a wife, you know, we all have the Amazon bug. You know, it's just <laughs> a pandemic nowadays. But when I open the door every day, I'm curious to see what is Amazon brought. Yeah. And it's it's almost like that that kind of expectation too. Yes, we need to be waiting and looking for God for when he's gonna return. We need to be ready. Bible says we need to be ready when he returns but we also need to be ready for what he has for us each day we need to open that door saying god what have you got for me today yeah you know we do that with the amazon let's do it with god what what have you got for me today god and we open that package with such great anticipation yeah especially here because i don't know whose it is right it's got my name on it but 90 percent of the time it's either one of my kids or my wife's <laughs> but yeah it's like oh it's it's like kind of like christmas morning a little bit but we should do that when our feet hit the ground in the morning, God, what have you got for me? Yeah. And because there's always something there. Mm-hmm. But we got to open our eyes. We got to be looking for it. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. God will hit us with it. Or we'll trip over it. Or we'll trip over it. <laughs> but we just need to be looking for it. And we yeah. won't get hit with it or trip over it. Yeah. We need to be expecting it. Yeah. That's a good good word. First Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. 
Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. You know, in the Bible, it talks, love is is the theme Mm -hmm. of the Bible. It's all through the Bible. It's the number one emotion in the Bible. And this verse kind of tells you why. Because it, these are all of the things that it does and doesn't do. And we can accomplish great things when we when we do it in in the spirit of love and um we we, we so often i mean we god is love right mm-hmm. we we talk about that god is love it's it's in the we, we think about how god equals love well if we're not doing things with love we're leaving god out mm-hmm. it's that that simple if god is love and we do things with uh, with a hatred or with vengeance on our mind or whatever the case may be, then we're doing things without God. And we are to do all things in love. Uh, and that's hard sometimes because there's so many times that we have something that we, we want to get angry about and we want to get frustrated about. I was mentioning before, I, um, you know, from a, from a, a, a coaching standpoint, struggling with um, some recruiting things at the moment. And it's real easy to get so frustrated at that and to lash out and to, but God wants us to be patient, wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants us to do things in a way that, um, that presents our Christian faith, which is love, which should be, which should be love. That's what we should be presenting to the world. Right? Yeah. If you can keep this verse, on your mind at all times and you can you can look through every decision you're going to make through the prism of this verse man what a difference it would make but so many times we you know i'm sitting here and i'm convicted reading it because i can think back in the past week when i have done the things that it says love is not yeah. He, he says what love is, but he also says what love is not, just to be clear in case we're not listening. Yeah. Um, and I look at the things that he says love is not, and I think, I did that. I've done that. Yeah. And it's very convicting, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, wow. We yeah, always I mean, think about this verse in, in the context of at a wedding. This is an everyday verse, mm-hmm. isn't it? I grew up and when I when I grew up, my house was a, it was a very interesting place to grow up. Now my my parents loved me, they and they did a good job loving me. And but my father never ever displayed love mm-hmm. at all to neither my brother and I nor my mother. Um, it just wasn't something he did. And my mother was the exact opposite. My mother was one of those who you're pushing her away all the time because she's always one. mom. <laughs> yeah, um, and so it was. It was mixed up. Sure. To to grow up with that, um, and 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 so how do you when when you have that kind of a mixed up message coming through to you? How do you figure it out? Well, you go to the Bible. Mm-hmm. You read this verse. You read this verse, and this verse tells you 
what's right, what's wrong, and how what love should look like and shouldn't look look like, and um, that's what we're to do. You look at I look at Jesus and the way he showed love in the Bible. Mm-hmm. He did it in a lot of different ways. You know, sometimes it was just a super compassionate. You know, I just I just love you like you like your mom does when she just wants to pick you up and just hug you. <laughs> and then sometimes he did it like um, like my father would do it occasionally and be very direct mm-hmm. and say, you're not going to do that anymore because yeah. he knows it's good for us. Yeah. And there's there's lots of different ways to show love. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I mentioned it back many months ago. Um, I was 56 years old when my father told me he loved me for the first time. Mm. That's what kind of. Um, so what's interesting is, is that as he has become closer and closer to Christ, he has changed. Yeah. yeah. When I was reading this, I was thinking about my dad, too. Yeah. You know, the, the I call it the tale of two Bruce's. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're right. Just like with your dad and with my dad, when when Christ, when somebody fully accepts Christ and wants to live for him, while they may not be perfect, you can't help but see it. Yeah. I mean, just, just like your dad using those three words for you. And my dad making the change that he made. I mean, you you can Jesus when Jesus fully sets in on somebody and they fully accept him. There's no denying it. Yeah, you know it's it's I don't know. Yeah, it's a good word. Yeah. How about a question? What has become your idol? <laughs> you know, for me. You would think it would be difficult for me from a running standpoint. I run every day for almost 11 years. Um, so you would think that that would be the thing that would often get in my way and would 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 want to be set up on a shelf as an idol. I don't think I do that, though. But I do that with something else. I can't keep my eyes off of political stuff. I can't keep my brain out of it. And sometimes I want to shout at people and I want to that's my my thing i have to be careful about and i have to i have to to kind of force myself to stay away from because that's the thing that'll get me outside of that love displaying love is is when i think about those things um i think for me it was the same thing you think but i i have i have made we've talked about it on here i i have watched very little news and really probably the past three, four, five months. Yeah. Um, and it's made a difference. I yeah. took, um, I took social media off my phone and you know, I keep, I'm back on the flip phone kick. Right, let's just, let's just all go back to flip phones. <laughs> uh, because I, I can, I can feel the difference in my spirit. Yeah. Um, that you know, I, now I'm not saying I'm off of social media, but if I if I need to get on Facebook or do something with Run for God or whatever, I come to my computer because yeah. my computer is not in my pocket all the time. I think that for me, I'm not saying everybody should be this way, but for me, that's that's the difference is the easy accessibility to just garbage, yeah. and that's really what yeah. a lot of it is. Is even on the news, and it doesn't matter which station you're watching. Yeah, you know which network you're watching. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's it's not good for us. No, um, I, I mean I stay, I watch a little bit in the morning, and I watch the business sections just so we're informed about you know 
is, is the is the market crashing or is it not crashing is really all I want to know. Are we headed in recession? Are we not? You know, I don't, I've gotten where I don't care about, um, politics. Yeah. I mean, I, I do care about the economy, but the political side has just gotten so out of hand and it's that way on both sides. It is. Yeah. What's interesting today, I think, because I remember when I was a kid, there just weren't that many things to distract you. You know, the news, when yeah. I was a kid, you... you Three, nine, twelve. Yeah, that, that was it. And then, uh, and, it, and it was only a couple, it was a half an hour time period yeah. uh, until you got to Sunday and you, you could watch 60 Minutes. You know, it was, you just didn't have that much of it out there. And now, everything is right there at our fingertips all the time. And there's some great, that's good for a lot of reasons. Uh, but... Back again, back to when I was a kid, the things that really got in your way were like things like big things like substance abuse and, you know, just major things that warp your mind. Um, and, and these days, there's so many tiny little things that can that can demand our time and can get us off track. P- games. Mm-hmm. How many gamers do we have? Mm-hmm. I'm not throwing stones. You know, if you like to play games and, and that kind of thing, and that's all that's all great. How much of your time does it take, and, yeah. and how much of that is because anything that takes up more time than God does is is a problem. Yeah, I mean, some people will put themselves on a pedestal higher than a gamer because they're they're politically educated, but it can be just as damaging the as the gaming. It, yeah, I mean, we we've talked on here about inputs before, and. You know, I'm sitting here looking at our our mic input right now, and there's there's four inputs into that box right there. You know, when I was younger, and when you were younger, we talked about three, nine, and twelve. Really, those were the mm-hmm. only me, and you had the radio. Mm-hmm. So there were four inputs into our lives. But now, I mean, it looks like we're at a at a at a rock concert with the board, and there's. 47 inputs yeah, in the back. That's true. That's what's being plugged into us right now. And sometimes we, we got to start yanking some out yeah. and getting yeah. rid of some of the inputs. And if that means you need to turn the news off, turn the news off. If you can't turn the news off, get rid of your TV. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say, I would sit here and say in past podcasts, I don't like social media on my phone all the time. Well, guess what? I would say that and I would get off of here and I'd go check Facebook on my phone. Yeah. For me, I had to take it off. Yeah. And this isn't the first time I've taken it off. I'll be mm-hmm. completely transparent. Yeah. I've put it back on before because mm-hmm. I think I need to do something. So I'll put it back on. And it. we got to get rid of some inputs. Three, four inputs in, into you. That's a gosh. But right now we've got so many. Well, and the sad part about it is it, it reminds me of, you know, back when they discovered, you know, about cigarettes, how they purposefully made cigarettes addicting. Sure. Right. At, at some point in time, they made that decision and they didn't really talk about it, but it was there. Well, now that's how it works with things like I saw a story on the, the app TikTok. Mm-hmm. TikTok's algorithm is made purposefully to try to get you addicted to watching those videos on TikTok. Whatever gets those endorphins going when you watch those videos, it just gives you more and more of the same. And it's really, really good at it. 
And so it, it's it's actually harder now <laughs> yeah. to stay away from those things and, and because back then, you know, the news the news was was just the news. It was here. Let, let us present to you what the news is. Right. Now it's the news and let me see how I can get you addicted to keep coming back for more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, <laughs> I mean, some there's there's people out there who were say that were conspiracy theorists for saying that. It's not true. I mean, there's. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how I know that I needed to take social media. And the only two social media apps I had on my phone were Facebook and Instagram. I'll tell you how I know that what you say is true, because it's the feeling I had when I went to delete them. Yeah. I was anxious about it. I was thinking, is this the right thing? I mean, my heart rate probably went up. I probably perspired just a little bit because I hit the, you know, you hold it down, you hit the X and it says, are you sure? Yeah. And I was like, oh, do I really need to do this? Yeah. I mean, go watch the the documentary Social Dilemma. Yeah. I mean, all of that is true. Yeah. You know, did they stretch some things? Maybe. I don't know. But it's true because I have felt it myself. And I'm sure everybody listening out there, if you thought about deleting whatever your favorite social media app off your phone, what it how how does that make you feel? That'll tell you probably whether you should do it or not. It's no different than you you mentioned that you know, we should think that running would be your vice Mm -hmm. but you've made the comment the the day you missed one day of running it didn't bother you had had you just been in knots about that then that would probably be a sign that yeah maybe that's too much for you but you didn't and that was a good thing and some people can probably delete an app from their phone it's no big deal for me, it was a very big deal, which yeah. just gave me all the more reason to do it. Yeah. But we all have those inputs in our life that we get real anxious about getting rid of them. And that's probably a good sign that you need to get rid of. Them. Yep. Yep. Another question. What does God want you to learn from this experience? And I assume she's talking about the run for God classes mm-hmm. when she when she says that. Uh, but it can be applied, I guess, to running just in general and, and how we feel about it. We, um, you know, it, it's basically what we talk about every week. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what what does God want to teach us? In this case, they're talking about marriage. Uh, and again, we as we talked about, it's the first time we've ever talked about that. So it's interesting. Um, and I think about I get asked all the time how do you come up with all these running topics? You know, I do the Dean's thoughts thing. Mm-hmm. And at this point in time, I I'm think, still trying to figure that out. Yeah. At, <laughs> at this point in time, I have written, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of it's over 200 yeah. different stories where I connect something external to running to running and God. And we, we put that together. Um, but that's how it's way more than that. Dean. Well, I don't know. How many, uh, I mean, we got three volumes of devotions, 52 yeah. weeks a piece. Yeah, it's about it's close to three hundred, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think about it like this: we can look at a sunset and think, "Wow, that's beautiful," 
or we can look at it and think, wow, God is awesome. Yeah. And, and I think that's the way that the stories come to me is I'm trying to look at things through a God lens all the time. And that's how the stories come. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't come a different way. And I, and I think from a, what does God want us to, to experience from, from everything is he wants us to look at everything we do, whether it's a run for God program and a 5k challenge class, or it's just trying to stay fit and in shape. He wants us to look at everything we do through his lens so that we can realize, hey, this whole running thing, the fact that it keeps me in good shape and makes me feel good every day, isn't it awesome? It's not It's not awesome that I can do that. Right. It's awesome that God presents that as something I can do so that I can worship him more. I thought about this earlier when, when I was reading Hebrews 12.1, and I was thinking about how many times we've talked about it. And this, this really has hardly anything to do with the question, but it really stuck out to me when reading that verse this morning. Think about reading, um, let's see, on on my page here when you write out Hebrews 12, 1, it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, it's six lines. Think about reading six lines of, let's say, Shakespeare. How many conversations can you have about six lines of Shakespeare? Two or three? Yeah. And you've about got it covered? Yeah. This is where Scripture is different than anything else that – and it's proof that it's living because how many times have we talked about Hebrews 12, 1 and none of the conversations are the same. That's right. It, it says something to us differently every time we read it mm. because it's all dependent on where we're at in our life, what's going on in our life, what do we need to hear from God that day. And it comes to us differently every time. And it's, it's why you can read scripture over and over and over and it hits you differently every day. And that's, that's what I have loved about this podcast is because we do see a lot of the same scriptures, but they hit us different every single day. And yeah. I think I think that's what God is showing me through this ministry just as much as anything is he's telling me his word is is living. Yeah. It's it's not Shakespeare. There's only so many conversations you can have about six lines of Shakespeare. Yep. Let's be honest. But we can talk over and over. There's entire books and commentaries written on certain verses. That's true. And none of them are the same. Yeah. And I don't know. I, yeah. That just kind of hit me this morning. That's a great observation. Last question. What does God's word say about the marriage covenant? Well, the Bible's pretty clear about <laughs> marriage. It's given to us by God. And marriage is a spiritual thing. Um, we think about the physical side of marriage and what it is and, and all of that, but it's meant to be spiritual. It's why the Bible talks about two becoming one. Obviously, physically, we don't physically turn into Siamese twins. Right. We're, the idea is that physical bond. Um and, and I think that's important to, to recognize. And then I, I noticed, you know, there, there's references to marriages in other ways, you know, where the Bible talks about Jesus being the bridegroom, mm-hmm. right? That's what John, John the Baptist talked about sure. that. Um, and, and he did that just before he said he must increase, but I must decrease. One of my favorite things in the Bible is, is the way he says that. And I think that's what my marriage is all about. It's a spiritual thing. We're meant to, to, to take our spouses it's meant to be if you take two and you make one then you can't remain the same size mm-hmm. <clears throat> my needs my wants the my desires have to decrease uh, 
because I need to be putting my wife's needs, wants, desires at, uh, above my own. Mm-hmm. And, and if we're doing that, that's what Jesus did for us as the bridegroom. That's what he did for us. He, as you talked about here a little bit ago, he did something he didn't really want to do. And he did that for us. And that's what, that's the way marriage is. Mm-hmm. It's well, sometimes we're doing things we don't really want to do, but we do it because, because it's a marriage and because yeah. we're one and because we want to build that up. So that's, that's a good word. Yeah. That's what I see with, with, with that. At Run For God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help to build your relationship with God. That's why we partner with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists to listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that is put together by our Run Club members just like you in the Run For God station on J Radio. All right, we're back. How about we talk about iron and its relationship to our training? I I saw something recently where they were talking about iron and somebody had posted a message about how they were struggling with their iron. And and, um, when we think about iron, when you go to the doctor, Mm -hmm. they give you a number and they say your iron level is 14. What they're talking about is hemoglobin, right? Sure. Um, for men, the average range, uh, the the normal range is from thirteen point two to sixteen point six grams per deciliter. For women, it's eleven point six to fifteen. Um, and it's it's important to have the right levels of iron in our blood, right? Right. Why is that? It's it's what keeps us going. It's what yeah. keeps us from crashing. Yeah. It's it's what keeps us upright. Yep. It, it what it's doing physically is it's delivering oxygen to our muscles. Sure. Well, if we don't deliver oxygen to our muscles, they can't work. They have to have oxygen to work. And if we don't have enough red blood cells, um, our hemoglobin level is low, our iron level is low. Then it's a, it's I, I've always compared it to it's a different kind of fuel. You know, yeah. we, we we usually think of food as fuel, but you can have all the food in the world if you don't have iron, you're going to run out of gas. Yeah, literally. Um, but all iron is not created equal either. It's there's there's two different kinds of iron which mm-hmm. you'll touch on and maybe we'll talk about more next week. Um, but yeah, so many people think oh, I just don't have it in me. I just don't have the energy. I just don't have whatever, and they give up when it could be something chemically going on. And a lot of times, a lot of times with runners, it can yeah. be iron, either hemoglobin or ferritin. Yeah, ferritin is something that the way ferritin works, when you talk about your hemoglobin level, to me, the hemoglobin level is like this is the main source of energy that you have to live every day. Mm-hmm. Well, as an endurance athlete, you run through that main energy source and you rely on a backup energy source, and that's ferritin. Right. And the ferret for, for a person who's not an endurance athlete, ferritin's probably not even very important. And it's usually not tested. And it's, yeah. When exactly. you go get a, a CBC at the doctor, a complete blood count, they don't check ferritin. That's right. Because for the average. But the way I've always compared it is hemoglobin is your, your gas tank. I, I used to have a motorcycle. I had a little Honda 50 when I was little. And it had the it had the big gas tank on top. But down under it, it had a reserve tank. 
So if you ran out of gas, you could turn a switch and get to your reserve tank and you could get back to wherever you're going. Ferritin's kind of like that reserve tank. Yeah. You have your, your ga- main gas tank, which is your hemoglobin, and you have that reserve tank. And if you're going a long way, that reserve tank is very important. Mm-hmm. And for runners, people who do exercise, many times that 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 big gas tank is not enough and you need to tap into that that reserve tank and that could be your problem yeah yeah and ferritin as you mentioned is one of those things that people don't that you have to ask for it to be tested yeah and and frankly a lot of doctors don't understand it a lot of doctors don't debate you yeah they will they will Uh, because a normal healthy level of ferritin for an average person who doesn't do endurance sports is different sure because they don't require as much energy and so maybe we'll come back and we'll we'll talk about that more in detail yeah i wrote a whole blog post on it several years back because we we got a crash course in ferritin hemoglobin iron uh with lane our oldest son and uh yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll put that in the place of dean's thoughts next week and just kind of dive in a little bit more on it yeah if if you're but if uh, i'll say this if you're having trouble with energy particularly the, the longer you go, the worse it gets. Um, and it just seems abnormal to you. Like it's not, this isn't just, I'm getting tired. This is something more than that. You could, it could be, mm-hmm. could be related to that. So yeah, let's, uh, let's come back to that, that subject and, and talk about how we can get oxygen to our muscles better. Cause I think that is important. Um, we, we can't have too much iron. Sure. But very, very few people. It's it's usually a, a genetic issue. I know one. Yeah. I only know one person yeah. that struggles with, with... With iron. Iron. Yeah, it's and, very uh, unusual. But so. I, I've known several now who have struggled with hemoglobin or ferritin. Well, you know, we have our cross-country team tested. Yeah. Um, and when we test them, inevitably, more than half the team, or at least half the team, has low ferritin. So. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think that came as a result of it did. what Lane went through because exactly I think right. I don't think either one of us understood it before then, but That's, we we got a crash course in it, so we'll yeah. talk about that next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. All right, it is a it is time for Dean's thoughts, and that is a time when I share something I've written about the intersection between running and faith. You know, they say the definition of in, of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Well, here is a different way to put it. This one is called Old Keys Won't Open New Doors. Okay, picture this. You purchase a new car and you finish all the paperwork. You're thinking about the old car you traded in as the salesperson walks you out to your new car that you're about to drive off the lot. He hands you the keys to your new car and you say, oh, no thanks. I've already got a set of keys from my old car. (laughs) It sounds silly, doesn't it? There's a saying. Old keys won't open new doors. Yet I submit to you that the scenario I described above is how many of us often handle issues, including running. Whether you're a new runner or walker or someone who is trying something new with your running or walking, you can't use old methods to get you to the next level. You have become uh, mentally tougher. Don't fall back on weak arguments for not trying something new. Those keys are different now. 
When it comes to trying something new, you're not opening the door to a 2007 Honda Prelude. You have a new car, a new attitude, a can-do attitude. Don't use your old keys to open new doors. Is it difficult to fit your run or walk into the busy schedule of your day? Your old self would just skip it, but not your new self. Your new set of keys will enable you to find the time to wedge it into a spot on your schedule you would never even have even seen in the past. Open the door to your new habit with those new keys you now carry in your pocket. If you wake up one day with knee pain, the old you might have given in to being sedentary until it feels better. The new keys open up an entirely different reality. You now either get to the root of the problem and begin rehab, or you find a cross-training activity to replace your running. After all, you're driving a new vehicle, one that is not content with that sedentary sedentary lifestyle anymore. Drive your new car with the attitude that a new car brings. There are countless other examples, but you get the point. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Once we accept Christ as our Savior, we have a new set of keys. Our old ways of dealing with things just don't work anymore. Our entire mindset has changed. Well, what does that look like? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Our new keys will help us to do things that please God because we understand all that he has done for us. No matter what the road in front of us looks like, we have an imperishable vehicle to drive over it. The next time you're tempted to give up, remember, you're a new creation. You have given up your old keys and you have a new set of keys in your hand that will open new doors. Whether we're talking about running or any other aspect of life, that new vehicle will take you to pretty amazing places. Enjoy the ride. Mm. That's a great story, Dean. <laughs> yeah, we have to look at things differently as things change and as, as we become better Christians as we become better runners no matter what it is things change and we have to and for some of us for me for example you know as I get older I realize things change (laughs) right and um, maybe it feels like I'm getting um, keys to an older car sometimes (laughs) that's what I was sitting here just thinking but sometimes the keys look old but they're really brand new yeah but it's it's just something that we, we have to realize that things change yeah, and I think what, what was kind of jumping out to me as you were reading that is sometimes we've got to remember that other people's keys have changed. Yeah. You know, so many times we tend to put people in the box of old keys. Well, that's the way they've always been. They're not really changing. Mm. Well, Scripture says they are. If they're in Christ, they are a new creation. But so many times we look at people with a, a a doubtful eye. Now you got to be careful, but we need to give people the benefit of the doubt. If if you know, say they were a party animal when you were younger, and you knew them as this way, and they come to you, and obviously something has changed. But we'll we tend to doubt, yeah. and we shouldn't do that. And, and yeah. I, the only reason I'm thinking that's because I've got somebody on my heart right now. When you're reading that, and they're not the same person they were in high school. Yeah. It's obvious, but my mind still tends to go back to high school sometimes, and and that's not fair to them. Yeah, 
and past that, if we have the same expectation of people, uh, I'm thinking of somebody that, that we were just praying about just two nights ago that has been a difficult person. Mm-hmm. That, that person has been very difficult. And the initial response is, well, that person's getting what they deserve. Mm. And that's a terrible thought. And instead, we've refocused that and said because lord help us if we get what we deserve that's exactly right yeah but instead we thought god can do amazing things and he can and he can take that person's heart and can change it and maybe the difficulty this person is going through is going to help that help her find where Mm -hmm. that direction is that she so desperately needs to find and so yeah it's, it's not just christians it's sometimes people just need to Sometimes people just need to find the new keys, yeah, and uh, and and we can help them do that. I think sometimes, uh, and and one of the things that I've noticed too is it's we have to unlearn old things, kind of along the lines of what we were just talking about. We, it's not just a matter of learning new things and using our new keys for the new thing, but it's getting rid of those old. You mentioned deleting the app. It's getting rid of the things that get in our way. Um, and sometimes it's hard to figure out what those things are. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard. It's hard to see that we need to delete that social media app, isn't it? Um, because it's right there in front of us. And we've mentioned before about social media is a good example. There's some good things in social media. You know, yeah. you follow some. Um, you know, if, if you're on Twitter, there's some people on Twitter who are great inspirational people who will tweet something every day that's a real encouragement and it's great and then there's others <laughs> yeah but so many times we'll, we'll say well well yeah that that person's on twitter and that's why i'm on there and but what else is it causing us to do are, are we is it is watching is listening to that person pulling us away from god and that can be just as destructive as yeah. Doing something you shouldn't be doing on Twitter. I mean, the Bible's clear. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Yeah. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. I mean, those those are not literal, but that that's that's telling us that if if it's pulling you away from God, then get rid of it. Yeah. You know, for me, it was getting it out of my pocket. I'm still on Facebook. I still look at Instagram every now and then. We we use it for this ministry. But I can't have it in my pocket all the time because yeah. it was causing me to sin. And and I'm not saying sin in some crazy way. I'm saying it was taking my attention from away from the things that are important in my life. Number one being Christ. Number two being my family. And when I'm when I'm sitting somewhere and my, my wife and two kids are right in front of me and I'm thumbing through social media, that's a sin. Yeah. Because it's it's pulling me away from what's right in front of me, yeah. And we shouldn't be doing that. And and that's that's a like I said, just leave your phone in the car next time you go into a restaurant, so you can't be looking at it. Yeah. And then look around. Yeah. That's all you see. That's you're right. You see, I saw a father and daughter at breakfast not too long ago. They never said a word to each other. Wow. And so while it is good. Mm-hmm. You know, so many things, so many idols are good things. Running yeah. is a great thing. Yeah. Running started, I mean, running becoming an idol started this ministry. Yeah. It's, it's, we've got to throttle it. We've yeah. got to, we've got to, 
We've got to know that we've got new keys, and we don't need to put those new keys into into old cars. Just like we don't need to put old keys in a new car. So many times we've got we've got Jesus, but we're going back to that old whatever. That's, that's, yeah. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you're right. That's a good word. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you are participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or any of our other challenges, or you're just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at runforgod.com. All right, we're back. Somebody asked me through email the other day about doing a hill workout on a treadmill. Hmm. I don't know that I'd ever really thought about doing specifically a hill workout on a treadmill, um, but it was a pretty good idea because, you know, a lot of people live in places where it's flat and they don't have hills. And so the the treadmill is a good way possibly to, uh, to replicate hills. And uh, so... It's not a bad idea. I would think that if you if you want to do that, if that's kind of you, or maybe maybe you live in an area where you don't like the hills outside. I don't know, but whatever they can, maybe it's dangerous right. in, in the area where you're at or whatever. I would think you could put that that grade on. Wouldn't you say six to eight percent would probably be, be about right for a hill workout? Yeah, yeah. I th- I'm thinking about Holly right now. We have a treadmill upstairs, and she's she's constantly going up and down. Yeah. On the, I've I've walked in before, and she's been on 11. She's holding on. <laughs> it's so steep, but that may be a little excessive. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's the same benefit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, mix it up, and that that's always good. Yeah, yeah. So so that's a, there's an idea for you out there if you want to get in those hill workouts, want to do it in a different way. It's not a bad idea. So this past week, we had uh, a, a, a track meet where a guy named Arian Knighton. It was an incredible to watch it. 18 years old. I didn't watch it. 19.49 <laughs> for 200 meters. That is crazy. It's the fourth fastest 200 meters of all time. Yeah. He's way faster than uh, Usain Bolt was at the same age. And this guy looks to be, by all appearances, the next superstar in sprinting and uh, i love where's he from he's from the united states and he is uh, he doesn't look like a sprinter you know most of the sprinters you know they have big have broad shoulders they They're look big like guys yeah they usually look like football players or something you know this guy he's he's lanky mm-hmm. um thin hmm. he just doesn't really look like looks a like a distance runner yeah he does mm-hmm. he does he probably looks like an 800 meter runner that's what he looks yeah. like but boy he can run he can run. He's still not. A, he hasn't graduated high school yet, and he's the fourth fastest two hundred meter runner of all time. That That's is crazy. Insane. But you know, we've had we've seen it before. A few years ago, uh, Noah Lyles we thought was going to be the next big thing. He was going to be great, and Noah Lyles is good, but he hasn't been this good. And so uh, it's interesting to see what happens going down the road. Shakari Richardson's another one. You know, this time last year, we were talking about how great Shakari Richardson was. Mm-hmm. And now we're like, where's Shakari Richardson? So you just never know what's going to what's gonna happen. 
tons of major meets recently. The Penn Relays were this past weekend. The Drake Relays were this past weekend. Um, these meets, they've been around a long time. They they carry with them great tradition, and it's it's so much fun. Um, I love to to follow those things. They went for the they were supposed to be going for the four by one mile world record in this meet and one of the shoe companies had sponsored the race to to try to get that to happen and unfortunately they went out the first by the time they finished the first two laps it was done there was no way they were going to break the record the first two laps were so slow it was really weird you would think if they were going to put that together they would have put made the conditions such that you'd at least give it a shot yeah but they were yeah they were done turned out to be a good race but a uh, team from Ireland came in to race these guys, and it, it turned out to be a good race, but wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And then another big professional guy, Eric Sawinski. Uh, most people don't know who Eric Sawinski is, but he just ran a 800-meter race in under 150. Now, why is that impressive? What's impressive about it is it did it for the 200th time. 200 times this guy has run under 150 for 800 meters. That's incredible. How old is he? Uh, he's in his thirties. He's he's on the downside of, of his career. Um, does he does he he'll uh, rabbit mm-hmm. a lot of races, um, but he's a uh, he's obviously a great runner. And I just think that's amazing. Two hundred times it's got to be a record. And then of course they had the Kenyan Championships, and uh, you know Timothy Chariot, who we've talked about before. He's a big. You know, he, he won the 1500 meters in the world championships and finished second in the Olympics and great run. Well, he winds up, he runs up leading this race for a good portion of it and then fades to sixth in the final straightaway, winds up finishing sixth. And, uh, but I heard that the reason why he did that is because this meet was going to determine, this was the Kenyan championships. They were going to determine who was going to be in the African championships and very often, these guys who are, are big names like Timothy Chariot will allow other people to win, so they can represent Af- they can represent Kenya in the African Championships. And uh, I thought, well, that's kind of it, it. Puts a whole different light on what happened there, right? Because it's like it looked like it looked like it did look like he backed off over the last really? hundred meters, yeah. And, and so, I don't know if I like that or I don't like that. You know, I'm I'm kind of I'm one of those guys. I like to think that if you're going to race, race. Yeah, but, yeah, you know how I think about that. Yeah, <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. So all of that, I say all all of those things. We talk a lot about professionals and how they're running and these big meets and things like that. And I know some people probably think, why should I care about what? these professionals are doing and on the running scene and i think that the more that we talk about those things and the more interested we become in watching track meets and watching the boston marathon on television and and those kinds of things i think the more opportunities that come with the sport in general sure um i think it's helpful to us at run for god if people Mm -hmm. um know more about the sport and they can only know that if they 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 see it well you're getting invested in your craft yeah you know i i I don't watch all these meets we i've been pretty clear on that but i I like hearing each week that you've watched it and i I get the highlights you're you're my highlight reel (laughs) for the week's track meets but yeah i mean it's the more people get plugged into the sport not only is it good for them because it helps to motivate you um but it's good for the sport yeah yeah 
And it's kind of fun to watch people run hard. I don't know how many times I've heard somebody come away from their first high school cross country race and go, wow. You know, they don't, it's just running. But then they go watch these kids just absolutely bury themselves trying to run hard. And it's inspiring to watch. What? How many, we coached a junior triathlon team for years. How many parents did their first triathlon? during that time that's true a lot of them. that's true because it's it's it is it's infectious it's not just a sport it's something that it's inspiring yeah. and people want to do it and they become better for it and yeah you're right 100 percent for sure all right how about a trivia question for this week um i don't know if i've ever asked this question before but but i know this one but you know i don't know how one. i knew this one but i, I i'm 90 percent sure i know this one <laughs> All right, here's the question. Name the popular book on running that was authored in 1977 and is credited with starting the running boom in the United States. And then name who wrote it. So 1977, there was a big book that came out that really, really was huge. It was huge. And uh, yeah. let me give a hint and you tell me if I'm right. Okay. CBR. Yes. Yes. There you go. Yes. So now you got to hit I very thing. rarely know your trivia. For some reason, I knew this one. And if you know the answer to that question, send it to dean at runforgod.com. Be the first person to send me an email with the correct answer, and you will win a Run Club Tumblr. And it has to be to dean at runforgod.com. That's right. Not Facebook Messenger, not customer service, dean at runforgod.com. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, it, and you get this nice tumbler you can drink your coffee in in the morning. Yep. Every morning. You can get inspired by looking at the Run Club logo. Sure. Yep. All right. Every week I share a reason why running is so awesome. And this week it is running is family friendly. You know, it's something you can do for a lifetime. So it's something you can pick up as a child and do all the way up until the day before you, you're, you're done with this life. And so the entire family can not only do it, but they can do it together. Mm-hmm. And we see that a lot mm-hmm. in Run for God. And um, and it's a great physical activity. We talk about taking care of our bodies. And it's a great way to do that. And it's a great way that the family can do it together. Sure. So, yeah. Our motivational thought of the week is from Ambie Burfoot, um, who wrote for Runner's World and is uh, also a, a marathoner himself, um, retired now from both running and riding, I think. He said, winning has nothing to do with racing. Most days don't have races anyway. Winning is about struggle and effort and optimism and never, ever, ever giving up. Mm, I like that. Yeah. I'm not big on participation trophies, but with running, winning can look different for everybody. Sure. You know, for some people, we how many times have we talked about week eight of the 5K challenge? People running for 20 minutes straight for the first time in their lives, that's winning. Right. That's what winning looks well, like. And it's why you go to, like, let's say a marathon. You, you, get a, you get a finisher's medal, and there are trophies for the winner. But this is one of the only sports where we recognize the difference. Yeah. The participation is a huge accomplishment. Yeah. It's not winning. Let's yeah. keep those lines clear keep everybody in their lane but the that's why you should when you complete a marathon if you're signed up for a marathon that you don't get something for finishing 
Probably need to look at another marathon. Yeah. I think it is important. Something that monumental, I mean, you, you need to have something to commemorate that. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, and, and we mentioned winning. You know, we, we think about winning as crossing the finish line first. But how many times have you been at a race and you saw somebody come through the marathon at, you know, the, the guy that won ran 245 and somebody comes through at three hours and 58 minutes and they throw their arms up in the air and they are just really excited because they broke four hours in right. this case. Yeah. That's a win. It's a win. Mm-hmm. It's a win. Yep. All right. Until next week, may God bless every step of every run and or walk. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.